DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Not much going on here this morning, guys. A little 4.2 earthquake, wild ride up here on the fifth floor. That was a good time. Many of you up on uh, social media not happy. Riley Jensen tweeting out, geez, I thought aftershocks were supposed to be smaller. They are. Well, every once in a while, there's, there's, an, there's an outlier. <laughs> Should we change it to greatest snow on Earth, the greatest, greatest earthquakes on Earth? Sure. Why not? No, we haven't. A whole I mean, new run of license seven. plates is just awaiting. There, there, are places, there are places around the Pacific Rim where, like, if you haven't had a 6.0, you haven't lived. That doesn't count, guys. you got to get to 7 to really be scary. Yak, Yak just got oh, yeah. a shiver. Right. Yak just shivered. I've been through a seven in in Taiwan, and I never want to experience that again. I'm not talking about the magnitude. I'm talking about the frequency, the number. Have we had more? Do we have more aftershocks than a particular quake has? I don't know the answer to that. I'm throwing that question out. Well, it seems like living in California and having been through several earthquakes and even if you're not in them, you know, they're somewhere up and down the coast, so you certainly hear about them and they get a lot of coverage. It yeah. seems like this is a lot of aftershocks, but I've got no science to fall back on. It does to on. me, too. Yeah, I've got no science to fall back on there. Um, but uh, to have this many aftershocks that are over a 3.5 or over a 4 seems like quite a bit. But maybe it's, you know, kind and of then when does it? Because we're on edge. When does it become it's no longer an aftershock, it's a new one? Where's that line drawn? We'll have to get someone from the uh, geologic service on. He said, uh, I, I got nothing for you. I didn't take any of those classes at UCSB. They're calling this the Magna Sequence. I think it's in the area. If there were a new area where one were to shake, I think it would create a new, where it's an earthquake and then the aftershocks for that area. Okay, I'll go with that. But if it's somewhere along the fault line, it wouldn't have to be in Magna. Well, yeah, but they're calling this the Magna Sequence because it's all in the general yeah. area of where that original quake happened. I was reading up on this the other day, actually. I'm an expert now. That a kid. You got the coronavirus uh, mastered. You learned no. everything there is to learn, so you moved on to earthquakes. COVID-19, I don't even try. I just got this tweet. Are you ready? Yeah. I've never agreed with anything that PK has said. I mean, come on, never? <laughs> never. I think America is the greatest country. I believe that we should all have clean air. I love warm, sunny days. <laughs> I've never agreed with anything that I've said. <laughs> he says, so I got pretty excited when I heard his take on MASH. Never understood why so many people love that show. I mean, this, this is ridiculous, guys. We show prep, we do all this stuff, we go to practices, we talk to coaches. Mash. And what was it, last <laughs> week we, we had our 18th anniversary, and the guy says he brought up a line when Lamar Odom got the one Kardashian gal, and I said that was an entry-level Kardashian. 18 years at work, and that's what he remembers. And the one thing that he finally agrees with me is on a take on a stupid television show. Yeah. This is crazy. Not which player the Jets should draft or trade or sign. Not which quarterback should start at Utah or BYU or Utah State. Not which coach should do this or that. But MASH, it sucked! <laughs> ding, 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 ring the bell. 
Why do I and spend all this time doing this other stuff? It's funny because uh, of all the things to agree with you on, the thing that you're most wrong about. No. That's actually the thing I'm most right about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> but I'm bumped. I remember the first time you used that line. <laughs> 18 years later. <laughs> it's a good line. I like it. I don't want to break it out too often. But when I do, it's the right thing. It's like, you know, the guy, the thirsty dude. You know, he's he's not thirsty all the time. But when he does, what is it? Is it Dos Equis? What is that? What, what is he drinking? Uh... What is that? The world's most interesting man. That's one of those ads that everybody knows, but you don't know what they're selling. I think you're right. But yeah, hey, stay stay thirsty, my friends. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we know everything except the the brand. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dos Equis. I think you're right. You know, and then it was. Uh, I rarely drink beer, but uh, when I do, it's you know. And then it became. Uh, I. Uh, I rarely pour beer on people's heads, but when I do, it's Max Hall's family. You know, it became all that stuff. Yeah. All those takeoffs of that. You're right. Dos Equis. Jonathan yeah. Goldsmith. Yeah. So I rarely criticize television, but when I do, it's absolutely accurate. And MASH sucked. It was so predictable. And it wasn't even funny. That's the thing is it wasn't even funny. It was stupid. It was so predictable, and it wasn't funny. It was awful. Man, anybody who watched that show and liked it is a blithering idiot. (laughs) Gee, thanks, PK. (laughs) That's why he said it. (laughs) Don't take the bait. Come on, Yach. You've been rattled by that 4.2 earthquake. Pull it together in there. It's the truth. Is it not? No, it is not. It is two. <laughs> okay, fine. Sucked, man. You hate mash and you love sucked. you love Saved by the Bell. I don't I don't get it, but whatever. Well, I, I, it works for you. I'm not the only one they're bringing Saved by the Bell back, you fool. Yes, for people who are 15 years younger than you. What does that have to do with anything? That was a sa- it's like Scooby Doo. That was a Saturday morning show for tweens. Except they didn't bring it back. It's the greatness of the show. It has nothing to do with age. What are you talking about? Age. Age is a. Re- it's about greatness. It's about quality. It's about excellence. Things you obviously know nothing about. You're starting to get under my skin. Yeah, sure I am. It's probably the earthquake. You're a little rattled this morning. No, I'm fine. I was, I'm not on the fifth floor. I understand why you guys would be <laughs> rattled. But I'm not rattled. You're right. If you're up there, I, 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 get, I get all your consternation about that. But, you know, if, you, if you're going to have one, you want to be... It's close to the ground, preferably out on the field, I guess. Yes. But when you're in a building like that, of course, you start thinking of uh, all sorts of stuff you don't want to be thinking about. Yeah, you'd like to be out in a, in a field. What's that uh, That park with the uh, 
Flatiron Park, is that the one not far from you? That's a good place. Up on that field, up on top, nothing around, nothing to fall on you. Good place to ride one out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're going to be at a yeah. you be a 7-0. You want to be at like Sugar House Park or something, just out in the wide open. I don't even want a tall tree near you. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be on the fifth floor of a building. No, no. I mean, standing no, I out. Get in, it? I would standing out in center field on one of yeah. those little league fields over there. That'd be good and safe. Well, sure. Yeah, anywhere outside, where, you know, where there's not uh, an opportunity to get zon- bonked on the head that something may cause to fall and kill you. I, I get that. If I were you guys, yeah, I would be in a much uh, more uh, alarmed state. In fact, if we're going to keep having these earthquakes. I would encourage you to both of you be on the fifth floor and have me be on the ground. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we got uh, Joe Ingles coming up. You got any questions for Joe Ingles? Time to uh, fire him off. He will be here at uh, 8.30 this morning. Craig Bowlerjack will join us coming up at uh, 9 yeah, I o'clock. got some questions for Joe. Oh, you do? Most definitely I've got some questions for Joe. Uh uh, Joe, the Joe Ingles story now is just, uh, it is, it's right there with some of the most phenomenal stories we've had in our community. Because I, I, I wonder if, you know, if he would have gone, say we would have stayed to the Clippers or, or any, any place in Europe or whatever it might be, would he have this type of connection with the community that he has now? I mean, this guy is a—he is like a, a resident of—he's—he's uh, he's when I say resident, I don't—I don't mean like literal uh, where you're from, but he's just—he's—he's he's like a a beacon in our community, and people go to him and people identify with him, and then with the the, the situation with his child. It's just uh, the connection that he has made. Would he have been able to make this connection if he was at fill-in-the-blank community? Is this just something that was uh, developed through being here, or would he have had it if he played with the Clippers or played with uh, wherever? Uh, So, you know, I wonder if if that's the case. And also, too, uh, I asked this to Thurl. how long do you stay off of away from basketball? Because now we're, we're starting to get into some real lengthy times here. What, we're in our fifth week. And just, I, I wonder, what are they saying, 25 days or something? What What's it going to be when the product comes back? Because how long do you go? without playing some form of uh, a competitive basketball or doing some form of a, uh, what am I looking for, uh, when you're being coached up in a drill, supervised, supervised drill, you know what I mean, where people are coaching you. Like you go to college practice, right, and they're filming everything. So even though it's just a practice, the competitive nature of the practice is pretty doggone high because they've literally got film They've got people in towers. They've got people on the ground. I mean, they're filming everything, right? So the guys know, at the college level anyway, they, they know that they're being watched at all times. And so that's naturally going to lead you to give uh, a better effort in that way. And so with this basketball not being anything that's supervised, what's going on? And, and how can you just come back? Because even like when they start training camp, 
Well, they know full well we're going to start training camp on fill-in-the-blank day, right? And so they have all this time to prepare. So they're basically ready to go when training camp starts because they've been practicing at a high, high level before that. Well, now they're not doing that, right? Because they're not together. How is that going to be on the comeback? I think that uh, you asked many questions there. So at the very start, could he have had this impact in a community if he hadn't come to the U.S.? And I would think that the answer is no, because in other places, basketball might be popular, but it's not the number one sport. I mean, if he's if he's playing in Spain again, well, then soccer is the number one sport. Uh, if you play in Australia, I assume Aussie rules football is the biggest sport there. I don't I don't know that for sure, but I think that's the biggest sport. So I think even coming to the U.S., he's got to be with the right franchise. There are teams that resonate either uh, because of how good they are in a crowded sports scene like the Lakers or in L.A., or where they really are the most popular team in town by a wide margin, and, you know, it's towns or areas that don't have Major League Baseball or the NFL. Uh, The Spurs and the Blazers, I think probably now you can put the Thunder on that list, too. Um, You know, I think that those teams resonate differently. They get a focus that most teams just don't get. If you end up with the Hawks or the Pistons, uh, it's just not going to be the same. It, you know, the, the, the Charlotte Hornets aren't going to be the same. So you got to be with the right team. Uh, and there's a handful of them where, you know, he could have this impact, I think, uh, and he could click. But I think he's fortunate he ended up there, or here okay. in this case. But in one of those situations, this, this being one of them. Then, though. Yeah. Uh, the places that you mentioned, you know, and I all agree with that premise, the line of thinking that you're going at, but don't you have to be – a more prominent player because you can go back and we'll see this. We, we literally will see this in 20 years from now. Watch Joe when he's 32, when he's 52, there's going to be some occasion that he's going to come back to the arena and they're going to show him sitting in the crowd and the place is going to go nuts yeah. like they do for Jerry Sloan when they put him on the big screen, like they do for John Stockton, uh, Carmel. Mark Eaton basically is there every game. Right. So, you know, they don't do that all the time because he's yeah, a resident when, of our community. When Hornacek came back as a coach, it was a big, big deal. And I get your point. When Joe comes back, and he'll be in Australia, so probably won't be often, but there'll they'll be a time, and it will be massive. Uh, the place will go nuts. And could that happen somewhere else? You know, L.A. is so celebrity-driven. There's so many teams. There's so many sports celebrities and other celebrities. You know, maybe not. Um, You can be a role player with the Lakers and make a big splash, but would it last over time? That that might be debatable. You know? Um, Michael Cooper. Who's the best role player the Lakers had? Cooper. Rambis was a good role player. Um, am I going to the right era? You want to go to another era? era? Um, Derek Fisher, what kind of reaction would Derek Fisher get? He was a role player for the, the Shaq coach. Fisher's era. a good example. Fisher, yeah, yeah Fisher, Fisher's a good one. But I think Joe is going to get a bigger round of applause. There's more of a connection. Now, I wasn't down there with uh, the Fisher era. I was down there for the Cooper era. I wasn't there day to day. I didn't go to practices. I didn't cover the team, those types of things. I didn't talk to as many fans uh, uh, in the Fisher, you know, the Kobe time, Shaq time, as opposed to Showtime. 
when I was there every day and, and had the good fortune occasionally of uh, being at the arena and doing stuff, writing feature stories on guys and whatnot when they would give me assignments. Uh, so I can speak more to that. But this, I just think this connection of a, role, a foreign role player, I mean, he speaks in native English, so that, that mitigates the foreign stuff a little bit. Uh, but the connection is so deep-rooted. People literally want him to stay in Salt Lake when he's done playing. They do not want him to go to Australia, whereas I think people were fully accepting of the statues leaving. I don't think anybody said, man, I hope they stay in a community. Where I've heard people say, I I hope Joe stays, and I hope he has a job with the Jazz and whatnot. And... And Steve Starks was on Twitter uh, making, having fun with him about how they'd have to train him to, to you know, make sure he knows what he's doing and all that. The, conne- the connection is just, to me, is just stunning. There's just no way you could have ever foresaw or any form of prediction that this man would have. And it goes beyond on-court production, too, which is, makes it so deep-seated and deep-rooted. It really, to me, is incredible. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Joe's coming up next. The Joe Ingles Show is on the way on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 12.80 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, says the only way professional sports will happen this summer is by holding events without fans in attendance and keeping players in hotels. He says nobody comes to the stadium, put the players in big hotels wherever you want, keep them very well surveilled, have them tested every single week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play out the season. College Football Playoff Management Committee spoke with Vice President Mike Pence in a teleconference yesterday about the impact of COVID-19. The committee, which comprises 10 FBS commissioners and Notre Dame's athletic director, told Pence how different the college athletic landscape is than that of the pros, and it really comes down to will there be students on campus because they don't want to bring athletes back if the general student body isn't on campus. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action for your plumbing, heating, and air, and electrical needs by calling 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Steve Watts from Talon's Cove. I've got one question for you, Scotty. All right. I believe you're the best play-by-play radio announcer in the state because I follow the Aggies as well. You're doing a great job with the Aggies. (laughs) How fun was it to call Sam Merrill's winning shot against San Diego State, which ended up being the last play of the year? That was as cool of a moment that I've ever had an opportunity to be a part of. Sam rises for three. Yes! You've got to be kidding me! Sam, I am Merrill! Straight away three! 2.5 seconds left in the game! Sam Merrill is a freaking stud! You know what I want to do? Strut. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, did you grow up with a lot of earthquakes in Australia, or is this a new thing for you? 4.2. Good morning. I am so over this. I'm not going to lie one little bit. I don't care if... 
people think I'm overreacting or I'm just a little shake or I don't care what people think. This is ridiculous and I'm sick of it. And I just want to go to Australia. <laughs> a little dramatic this morning, huh? Uh, well, it's honestly, it's not. Like, it obviously doesn't really bother me too much, but. It was well. It's a bit of a coincidence that I was sitting with with Miller and Jacob this morning when it when it happened, and Renee was actually working out in the gym. She felt it sheltered in the gym, but Miller was like, "This house is so silly. We need to go to our Australia house because it doesn't shake." Um, <laughs> and just and like since since it happened, she's kept talking about going back to Australia, and obviously it, it spooks the the kids more than it kind of does to me. Um, so we'll see how the day plays out, but hopefully she she's all right. Joe Ingles joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The uh, news came out yesterday. The uh, Dr. Fauci said, hey, you could play NBA basketball or Major League Baseball, uh, as long as there was nobody in the stadium and they put the players in hotels. And uh, Mike Trout of the Angels, uh, an excellent baseball player, although I don't know that you follow baseball, but an excellent baseball player. No, uh, that's a cool name. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's, uh, not a big fan. He said, I I think that's pretty crazy. We can't be sitting in our hotel rooms just going from the field to the hotel room and not being able to do anything. Now, he also has a wife pregnant with their first kid, and he said, well, if I go to that, then do I have to quarantine for two weeks coming back? When you hear the thought of being in a hotel for a month or two, what do you think? Uh, I think I would be right there next to my friend Mike Trout. <laughs> no, I think um, I think in well, obviously what we're going through now, it's like it wouldn't be too different in terms of like most people are obviously stuck inside or, or stuck at their homes and apartments or, or whatever they live in. Um, uh, my only thought about that, I guess, is if if that is the case, and we are wherever, or going to Vegas, or whatever's kind of been the the little bit of the talk. Um, so, I mean, what happens when one person potentially tests positive? Then we're kind of back to square one again, because then we all have to be. If you're in contact with someone, maybe and maybe it's a little bit different now, or if the testing's faster, or whatever the case is, but. Um, if someone tests positive within a team you've played or your own team or, or in that hotel, then you uh, I mean, we're kind of back to square one again where we all have to be self-quarantined or whatever for two weeks. And um, obviously everyone, like uh, the, the baseball guys, everyone's in different situations. I think, did you say he's got a pregnant wife or he's yeah. just had a kid or whatever? Um, I mean, like the, everyone's just got... People might be pregnant. People might have young babies. Um, obviously, some people will just be themselves or, or with a partner or something. So, uh, I think everyone will be in different situations. But I just feel like if if we all go back to a, a group setting and we're all in Vegas or wherever it is, then as soon as one person is positive, which obviously there's a really good chance because we're not going to be the only ones in Vegas. Uh, everyone's been. Like you, you just—I don't know—you just don't know. I don't, I don't know. What, I, I'll let the, the big bosses make the decisions. So you've gone now five weeks without any form of practice or games. 
when you're in the off season, and particularly with you, with a lot of international competition that you're a part of with your national team, how long do you normally go without some type of supervised practice or a pickup game or some form of competitive basketball? Um, so recently, the last kind of couple of years, and um, with with the Jazz, we obviously get a program as we leave, so we have our locker clean out or whatever and exit meetings and we usually get an emailed um, kind of plan or structure for us um, I think usually it's kind of like two three weeks of completely like nothing um, so just have have two or three weeks kind of let your body heal and recover a little bit try and get some rest and then kind of slowly you kind of start back at square one and you, you build up again um, obviously over a, a fair bit of amount of time so um, start in the weight room get back out spot shooting and obviously build up to, to playing pick up and five and five or whatever so um, I mean this is definitely the longest I've gone without kind of obviously we're doing I haven't been able to really shoot We we I've got a amazing lifetime uh, hoop up in my driveway but it's not really realistic to, to what an NBA court or, or scenario, like situation is so um, I go down to our gym every day do some stuff in the gym but yeah nothing nothing on court so as you go through this is there a point where coming back seems more serious and you have to individually crank it up a little bit and think okay we could really be going and I've got to be I got to feel I don't know I don't know how to describe it but I got to feel a certain way before I let Quinn put me in a practice and run me ragged so I better get going but in terms of you saying I've got to get going what do I do run whether it's physical or ride a little bit more on the bike like there's nothing that is going to get anybody out of the 450 players ready for a practice or scrimmage or or whatever that first kind of thing looks Uh like other than being on the court and that's that's the hard thing I think I read something yesterday Jason Tatum was like this is the longest he's never touched a basketball for and I'm sure he's got one in his house and he travels around or or whatever but he everyone kind of knows what he means he's gone out there and played basketball and shot and did an individual or or played three on three or anything and um, there's just nothing. If they called us today and said, "Hey, we're 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 back. There's a plan. You've got a week until training camp starts." Kind of like, I mean, I can go down to the gym and run for an extra 20 minutes or, or something like that. But regardless, I'm going to get onto the court and I'm going to be just as tired as I would be if I didn't do that because it's just you just can't simulate that that five and five, which is why the off season also is hard at times if you're not in a, a big city where you obviously see the, the LA pickups and the New York or whatever kind of uh, cities here do the, those live kind of pickup games and you, you see highlights of it and that if you haven't got that you, you can't really simulate it's hard to, to simulate it so you you do your individual stuff you do that but then regardless you come back to training camp you're going to be tired those first few days so um, I think someone put out a little thing about like a 25-day plan where you have kind of 10 days of individuals and um, obviously building yourself back up and then then like a 10 to two-week um, like kind of training camp to start practices, start scrimmaging, and then obviously those last few days would be, you'd obviously want to be in 
game shape to be, be ready to obviously start the season again. So you're sort of getting, I guess, a taste of retirement while you're an active player. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm not retiring anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, really? Oh, it's, I mean, it's it's funny because me and Renee had talked about it and obviously her being recently retired after playing 17 years professionally and her last year, which was the off-season just gone, was, she was kind of mentally ready her body was fine. I mean, she could still play now. She she still works out every day and all that. But just mentally, she she knew it was time to to move on. She wasn't. She didn't hate playing or hate going to training, but she just knew um, it was it was the right time. She felt good. She studied and, and was very organised for, for kind of post career um, what she wanted to do and. and she went to every practice and enjoyed it and just knew it was the last one. And um, Not that being home with my family makes me not want to be here and keep playing, but um, yeah, it makes you want to make sure you know know what you want to do when you, you finish playing. Just sitting at home and as much as it is enjoyable being at home with my family, they're obviously not going to be here anyway because the kids will be at school and Renee will be working or doing whatever she wants to do. So... Um, I think it'll it'll kind of wake everyone up to just have a plan of of what you want to do post career because you, you can't just sit at home every day once you retired. So Joe, we were uh, we were discussing this uh, about uh, the impact you have here because we see you tweeting a lot about autism. We see people interacting with you on social media. How many places in the world could this have happened? Because you are such a big star here, it happens that we don't have an NFL team or a Major League Baseball team here. If you were still playing in Spain, you know, soccer is the big sport. You couldn't, I wouldn't think you'd have the same impact in the community. And in a lot of American cities, you wouldn't have the same impact in a community. Do you you ever sit and consider that, how everything has worked out and come together here? Oh, absolutely. Um, And everyone kind of talks about a little bit about how how it was the Clippers and like I should I, I could have been there I should have been there and, and whatever That's Clippers fans obviously kind of saying that but um, as cliche as it as it sounds everything kind of happens for a reason um, yeah I mean it's it's pretty crazy that we were talking about it kind of not long ago I mean Renee were talking about it just about. I mean, by the end of by the end of my contract, it's going to be eight years or something here. Um, and I came over at 27. I didn't come over at 21 or two in the draft. And um, to come from Spain and, and Israel, where I didn't play a whole lot, I'd had a decent kind of international career with the Australian team up to this point. And to come here, I honestly was <laughs> me and Renee. I, I told Renee like, if I can just get a couple of years here, it'd be kind of great on my resume to tell my kids I played in the NBA. And um, then the next thought was like, oh, well, I can get if I get three years, I'll get that uh, the pension plan, which is cool, like a little bit of um, a kind of safety net for when you do retire. You've got a little bit of income coming in, and then I signed that the four year deal, and and obviously, I feel like obviously I've done a a fair bit now and then helped our team and helped our organization kind of become a little bit of, of who they've become. I'm definitely not taking credit for, for too much, but I think I've been a part of the, obviously me and Quinn came in the, 
start the same year. It was Rudy's second year, and, and we've kind of built this thing up to, to what it is now. And obviously, we've been lucky with the Millers and, and Dennis and to, to draft good players and get good free agents and all that. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy how it's kind of become what it's become. And yeah, I mean, being in a smaller city is sometimes people don't. A lot of people don't want to come to smaller cities or. or "Quote unquote, like boring, what, what people would say, but Utah has been unreal for, for me. I, I loved it when I was here by myself, when it was just me and Renee here, and obviously now having having kids and stuff here. It's um, like I said, I've said it a million times, but it's uh, become a, a second home for us. And um, I don't really want to know what my <laughs> life would be like if it, if it didn't happen like this, because I've thoroughly enjoyed being here, and, and obviously what, what's to come these next couple of years." So last week, a story comes out that says uh, uh, an anonymous quote that the relationship between Gobert and Mitchell is quote unquote unsalvageable. And shortly thereafter, you put out a tweet. You put out a tweet that said, LOL. What was that tweet about? I was laughing out loud. (laughs) About what? (laughs) Uh, I can't really remember what it was now. It was a few days ago, wasn't it? Obviously, something, I don't know, maybe Miller said something funny, or maybe Miller was trying to pronounce the word unsalvageable or something. I can't really remember, but um, (laughs) I'm glad it's been salvaged. You know, jazz fans want to believe it's been salvaged, but there's a big chunk of jazz fans who, until they hear it from Donovan, aren't going to believe it. Oh, should we get Donovan on the line and see if it's salvaged? A lot of jazz fans, I'm dead serious about this. I'm not joking around at all, Joe. A lot of jazz fans would appreciate it if you got Donovan to say that. He could, <laughs> he could come on our show and say it. He could hold up his phone and say it into his phone so they can see his face. And then he could post it on social media. But I'm telling you, there are scars from stuff that happened here before you were born. There are scars. do with me. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's just jazz fan, <laughs> and there are just scars, and people wear it every day, and this is just, this is one more thing. And it, it doesn't have to do with Rudy or what Donovan. Did, it has to do with jazz fans. Out, feel. What did Rudy come out and say the other day? Right, but he's not the, uh, the, he's not the aggrieved, hurt party here, which is why, and, and Joe, Joe, we could do a whole lesson in jazz history, in Utah sports history, and in Utah history, but there's just a <laughs> lifetime of this stuff, and this is one more straw on the camel's back, and it, it, I, I, I think it's tough when you're in the locker room, um, because people don't know and can't know. I think we know more, PK and I know more than the average fan, but there's a lot of stuff we still don't know. And we know we don't know it. And we know that it's hard to throw it out there. It's kind of like if you've read about this MJ documentary that's coming out. And Jordan's like, well, when people see behind the scenes, they're still not going to have all the context. They're going to think I'm a bad guy. And so I get why people don't want to put it out there. I 100% understand. And yet I also know that jazz fans are wearing all this agony and all this heartbreak from other situations that have gone wrong for whatever reason. And like... Oh, boy, here we go again. And they just, there's a segment of them that just can't shake that feeling until they see it from Donovan, see the look in his eyes and realize he's serious because it matters to them a lot. Well, I, from, from what I know, uh, and I, I feel like I've, I, I know a fair bit of what's going on with our team, being uh, a piece of, of the roster and being in a group chat and 
Oh, and that, I'd be, like I said, on the Sam Amix podcast however many weeks ago. That was like maybe three weeks ago or something. When, I, when it was so unsalvageable, um, I said that our team would be completely fine. I was confident in that. And, like, uh, I mean, people, <laughs> I had a lot of tweets like, oh, if Joe thinks it's, it's all good, then it will be all good. And I'd be even more confident now saying that, that we're going to be totally fine. I was confident back then saying it. Otherwise, I obviously wouldn't have said it. I'm not going to say something I don't believe in. Um I thought it back then, however many weeks ago, and like I said, I think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, they obviously had a little bit of a frustration there. I think everyone in the situation was frustrated at different things, not, not Rudy. Um, my frustration was like getting home to my family. Like, I wanted to be here with my family. I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to talk to anyone in our team. I didn't, I didn't speak to anyone in our team for the first ten days, two weeks, because I was. My one and only concern was was my family and making sure they were okay and making sure the kids were, were healthy and obviously me kind of stick, staying away from them to, to maybe if I if I had it or didn't have the symptoms or whatever the the things to be. So I think um, there was frustration from everyone's part in, in different in in different uh, ways and different feelings. But um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I believe our team will be completely. They've spoken. We've all spoken. We've been in group chats. We've been, like it's, like it's, it, it's, it's completely. It's we're going to be fine. Everyone. Uh, I don't know the histories and all of it. We could maybe sit down off camera or off radio one day, and we'll we'll have a big chat about it, and I'll write it in my notes and um, see what I can do to to help it all. But um, yeah, we'll be fine. Well, I think that pretty much says it all, man. I think you've answered all those questions, and that should be the end of it, right? I mean, like, like I wouldn't. I'm not going to sit here. First of all, I'm not going to put anyone's business out in public. That's not my, unless it's to do with me. I'm, that's not my. But like I said, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm like I said, I'm in the loop of what happens behind the scenes and what is happening behind the scenes and what isn't happening behind the scenes and. I think I think Jazz fans will be fine. Rudy, I think it was Rudy, whoever came out and said that they both want to win. They want to win here. Um, I don't know what else people need to say if they both want to win here. It's pretty. I don't know. It seems pretty confident that that they decided that they wanted to play together and win together here. So um, until further notice, I think everyone just worry about the earthquakes rather than those two. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe, by the way, you should know uh, that if you're on the fifth floor of the arena and uh, four or five earth four four point two or five point seven earthquake hits, uh, you you can ride it out. The arena's great. We're looking around. There's no cracked glass we can see. It is. It's a crazy ride up here on the fifth floor, uh, but uh, it's totally doable. I don't want to experience that. I'm fine at my house. <laughs> had a little shake. The stairs had a little shake and. I'll uh, get back to everyday. I do want to answer one of the questions I got. To, right before I got online, I looked on Twitter because I retweeted the questions, and one of the questions was, I can't actually remember who it was from, but what retired player would I want to play with in his prime? And I thought that was a really good question. So? Who would it be? Well, I've been—I've actually been thinking about it a lot since I read it because it's actually, there's probably, I, wouldn't, I honestly couldn't say one. If, if I had to say one, 
and this will like probably hurt jazz fans because it's not a jazz player, but if I had to say one person, it would probably be Dirk, and that's because of he was like one of my favorite players all time. He's a I've got two jerseys from players or ex-players in my lifetime, and one of them is his. It's signed to me and, and all that. So that that definitely he's definitely one. But then I would have like loved to have played with with Carl and, and John, and I would have loved to play with with Ginobili. The list goes on probably, but I think Dirk would be like the number one if I had to pick one. Jazz fans shudder now. They recall the 2-0 series lead and three straight losses in the blown fourth quarter 17-point lead at home. <laughs> That's why I said they probably won't yeah. like the it was, it, was the, me, it was the first time. I'm like a kid. Uh, there's, there's actually a video somewhere like online of me holding a Nowitzki jersey as a lot younger age and saying like he's my favorite player. I was like 16 or 17 or something. So it's not like I've just made this up to bring back some history and I've got like I said I've got two jerseys signed jerseys from players in the NBA and one of them is uh... alright there it is yeah you can uh, when you're when you're bored Google it was about uh, probably 2001 the video is probably out there on YouTube Young Dirk and Young Steve Nash down 0-2 winning three in a row the first round was best of five in those days Steve Nash is probably in that group of players too actually yeah, <laughs> yeah. well you can you can YouTube it and that'll get you through 10 or 15 minutes of the day you know when the kids are taking a nap you want to know something. who the second jersey is just who? for who? fun yeah. it was an ex-teammate um a bit of trivia for you guys. Ex-teammate. Well, I was really close with him. Um, I think when he left, I like tweeted something about him being one of my favorite teammates ever. Booker. No, he retired. He's he's got. The, if anyone goes to watch his video, as as nice as it is, listening to him, his retirement video and his letter was great. His hair and facial hair is disgusting. <laughs> that is, that that is, is such a huge thing. That was the first thing I texted him. I was like, congrats on your career, but your facial hair is disgusting. <laughs> but is no, such, not, 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 uh, not, not book. That is such a you thing. You guys can think about uh, it. All day. I won't, I'm not going to give you any answers. You guys can tweet me your answers if you're... So he's, you a, for, he's a former jazz player. I, I was going to yeah, guess... I played with him. I was going to guess Rubio. No, but I actually said to Renee yesterday, I need to get a Rubio jersey. That's okay. really weird that we talked about that, but me and Renee talked about it yesterday. <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. We'll let people guess online. They can tweet it at you, at Joe Ingle 7 and then uh, they can play the game with you because they need to kill a little time too. Yeah, it's, not, it's really not that hard. Like if you knew, everyone knew my relationships with teammates. I've, I've, I mean, I've loved everyone, but... There's been a couple guys that I've been extra close with, and this is one of the guys, and it's the only jersey I've got from a current NBA player. All right, hit him up on uh, Twitter, at Joe Ingles 7 There you I go. I won't be able to check it for a while because I've got to go and do my workout, but I'll check it after my workout. So. Okay. All right. We'll look forward to it. I'll be tracking it <laughs> later today. Thanks, Joe. No worries, guys. All right, there is Joe Ingles and PK. That was uh, as definitive as someone other than Rudy or Donovan. Obviously, it's them, so they would be the best sources, right? But beyond that, how could he be any more definitive? He can't. That's what I said. Yeah. Exactly, yes, DJ. That's exactly what I said, is that, well, that settles it then. I mean, if, if he's thinking – and the thing about Joe – 
the, the thing – I got excited there for a second. The thing about Joe is that he is not going to say something unless he believes it, and he believes it. Yeah, and his tone, I thought, was more convincing than his words. There's his tone that just turned a little bit of the exhausted, like, all right, I'll tell you again <laughs> – so I think that sells it more than anything. Uh, all right, DJ and PK, stay with us. More in a moment. Bowler's coming up in about 10 minutes. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Dirk Face or Desert News. Draft-wise, kind of give us your thought on how many Utah players you could see being drafted. You know, that's a good question because, I mean, it looks like it's obviously going to be a banner year for the youths as far as uh, getting guys drafted. You know, it's uh, probably not unreasonable to think that there could be as many as 10. And as crazy as it sounds, I mean, a dozen youths could end up in NFL camps this fall if we have football, obviously. But, uh, you know, as far as a pecking order. Jalen Johnson looks like the the first guy that'll go. Bradley and I, Lucky Foe, too, are right up there. So it could be a real good year for the youths. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK. That is why we love having Joe Ingles on the air. Bare bones, just get right to it. All the agonizing jazz history going back through the decades and agonizing local sports history going back through the decades. And it kind of taps into it like, ah, there's a good thing going. What's going to wreck it? Always looking over the shoulder, right? And you could go back to uh, Boozer leaving and D. Will and Jerry Sloan getting into it and Jerry retiring and Jazz fans just gnashing their teeth, right? And go back another decade and some of the young players who people thought were the future and Shandon Anderson takes off and leaves and never has anywhere near the success and it just frustrates people like crazy. And you can just keep going back. It would just when it seems like it's almost there, that all goes wrong. And people just wear that going forward, and you're giggling. You know your neighbors do it. You see it. You see the stress. They're so into it. That's why Chris Morris is the answer, because they're so into it. They want him to be the answer. I agree with you on that, about being so into it. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. But I, to me, those, those ideas of uh, what can go wrong will go wrong and Mm-hmm. This player is going to leave. That player is going to leave. Uh, maybe I'm totally off base here, but I think that isn't as strong. What do you mean it isn't as strong? Uh, that belief that people don't want to play here, they're going to leave, those types of things. I think that the player, today's player, is sophisticated enough to know if I'm good enough and. I have what we need, and by that I mean strong ownership, strong management, strong coaching, that what they call that I think culture can be overplayed sometimes, the word culture, but I think if you have all those things in place, which the Jazz have proven to be the case over and over again, I think the player isn't caught up in what am I going to do at 2 in the morning. Because at 2 in the morning, I'm going to be sleeping. Yeah. And I'm not going to be worrying about what club I'm at or whatnot. I just think that 
today's player is more interested in winning. And where do you go about winning? You know, why does Paul George, and I realize maybe this isn't a great example, but he did re-sign in Oklahoma City. Uh, Westbrook re-signed in Oklahoma City. Uh, the guys in San Antonio were fine. Uh, I, I just think that these guys have got outgrown that, and then we as a fan base need to realize that and not think that, oh, nobody wants to be here. What can go wrong is going to go wrong. We're never going to win it all and blah, blah, blah. We're never going to get back to the finals. I think maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think a lot of people have matured beyond that point of view. Right, but I think there are other things that pull it apart aside from Salt Lake is small and cold and has no nightlife. Uh, you know, like what people? Well, I mean, people getting along. That's what people are stressed about in this case. That's what people uh, were stressed about when the whole thing blew up with Jerry and Darren. And, you know, two people can't get along. It blows it up. Now it's back to square one. How long before we get back here? How long before we get beyond this? You know, post Stockton and Malone, they've built yeah, some that, good teams here, uh, but they have routinely played in the four or five series. They haven't been able to get a top three seed since Stockton and Malone. And ultimately, if you're going to go deep in the playoffs, you're probably good enough in the regular season to get better in a top three seed. There's a couple outliers, but most of the teams that go deep are a top three seed. Uh, sure, but I mean, I, I think that's a talent issue. That's not the other issues that curtail teams from winning. DJ and PK, Craig Bowler Jacks coming up next. We'll talk more with him about all this. Stay with us.